This is Creativity in Music and Music Education, a conversation about music, learning, and the creative process with Richard Maxwell, a musician, producer, top 10 finalist, and three-time Grammy Foundation Music Educator of the Year nominee, creator of the nationally recognized Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program at Arcadia High School. The Creativity in Music and Music Education podcast starts now. All right. Hey there, everybody. This is Richard Maxwell again for another episode of the Creativity in Music and Music Education podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening and shooting me feedback and comments and ideas for future episodes. And I really, really appreciate all of the wonderful things that people have been saying and uh, getting the word out on what we're doing and all that kind of good stuff. So thank you again so much for uh for making that happen uh this week uh we have another uh arizona state university uh intern uh who is working with my creative musical arts and sciences program um his name is alex rossi and he is uh this episode i should say this interview happened uh just after he completed his first day uh, and so getting feedback again, we've done one of these before previously, and there's a few more of them actually that I've, I've, uh, I've, I've done like this, where these, these interns, they come in and just after kind of experiencing things for the first day, getting a sense of, uh, of their uh, thoughts on uh, what it's like, what they thought it was going to be like, uh, what they're expecting for the rest of the term and all of that. Uh, Alex is a pretty cool guy. He's got some very interesting insights on, on how this works and, uh, on his role and what it can be and what he wants it to be. Um, he comes with a pretty uh serious amount of tools in his toolkit as it as it were for helping students so um uh, i think as you'll hear this is pretty cool uh to some extent i have to admit that uh, when i interview uh these interns the first time uh, it does turn into a little bit of an interview of me i suppose because they're still trying to figure out on that first day kind of how everything works uh the program is definitely um different uh and unique i i would like to think in a good way but it doesn't change the fact that it is definitely unique um and anyway, uh, it's kind of just fun to talk to him about it, see things from his perspective, um, and answer those questions um, for you. So hopefully that'll be uh, helpful for you, the listener, as well. Um, I also want to take a minute to just let you know that uh, you can always find me at richardmaxwell.net, and you can always find out more about my students at arcadiacmas.com, and you can reach me through both of those websites. Like I said, I love getting the feedback. I love... Uh, hearing from you about what you'd like me to cover um, and what's going on and be that, you know, anything music related, whether it's school related or just music in general. Um, it's been kind of fun over these last few weeks as we've started the podcast to hear back from people. And we've done some um, some interviews with a pretty wide range, both academic stuff. We've also been covering uh, some bands and things like that that have a connection to the program and lots more stuff like that coming. Um I think it'll be interesting for this week's episode when you listen to it alongside some of these other uh, interviews we have going. We've already got one up from a couple weeks ago uh, that we did with Sean McComb and some more coming. But when you listen to the overall uh, sort of themes that seem to be emerging with the interns from ASU, it's interesting the commonality of a lot of it, this idea of, of uh, young uh, music educators, uh, very gifted in all cases, um, very committed to ultimately providing the best for their own students, um, let alone, I think, what they're, what they're providing uh, to, my own, my, to my students while they're here interning, um, all of which is wonderful of them, uh, I, might, I might add. But, um, but it is interesting kind of hearing 
uh, themes start to emerge. And without giving too much away, you know, a lot of it is trying to figure out how to resolve sort of where we've been in music education and where things seem to be headed or depending on your opinion, I suppose, where they've always been for quite some, well, maybe not always, but certainly where they've been for a while. Uh, and trying to resolve that because there isn't always a whole lot of training and there isn't always a whole lot of, frankly, even encouragement to get that training. Um, it's just kind of an interesting thing, I think, um, to sort of consider how all of that works together. Uh, I did want to give a quick shout out this week. Um, I recently, this weekend, uh, it was really uh, very unexpected and, and a much bigger honor than I think I can really express. Um, I was uh, awarded the... Um, Scottsdale Unified uh, Foundation's um, uh, Performing Arts Teacher of the Year, which was a great, great honor for me, and I just wanted to thank the foundation so much. Um, it's interesting, my program falls under career and technical education, and though it is very much a music program, um, you know, it's interesting the, the politics of all of this, and it, it meant a tremendous amount to me that this foundation, which is a pretty big deal in the Phoenix area um, these days, uh, even considered me, much less uh, selected me. Uh, I had no idea it was coming um, at all, and I was really blown away. It was it was kind of fun. Actually, um, my wife got a kick out of meeting uh, Heather Morris, who is uh, one of the stars of the show uh, Glee, or, well, had been until the show went off the air, but um, that was kind of funny. It turned out uh, she's actually a graduate of the same school district from um, just a few years ago, um, and that was kind of neat to hear her speak. Um, there was also... Uh, a really uh, compelling uh, few moments. Uh, one of the other honorees, um, sort of the uh, Achievement Awards Hall of Fame, if you will, uh, was a former student who uh, was a Navy SEAL um, and who unfortunately lost his life uh, recently um, defending the country and, and doing, you know, basically the, you know, giving the ultimate sacrifice, literally, um, and it was, um, really sort of, um, to, to hear about Charlie Keating, he had actually gone to Arcadia. I unfortunately didn't have him as a student, I had his brother, um, who's a wonderful guy as well. Um, an amazing family. Um, uh, but to watch that and you start to kind of look at the whole idea of what's really important and what really matters. And, you know, that matters what Charlie did matters. The rest of the stuff is pretty much just fluff and superfluous, but, um, it was, it was pretty impressive, um, and incredible to, uh, to talk to his family briefly and, um, and just to see, you know, the impact and the just amazing person he was. Um, and to be at an event, um, it was very, very, um, overwhelming, uh, for a lot of reasons for me. Um, just, just, uh, uh, humbling. I don't even know how else to say it. I just, I, the whole time I was like, you know, I have, I do not understand why I would be put on an event with, with him. And, and, and certainly he was being honored on a much higher level than I was and he should have been, but just to be at the event at all, um, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. And, uh, Charlie is, uh, left quite a legacy at his, um, sadly very young age, um, for the sacrifice he made. Um, but anyway, um, I do appreciate you listening uh, to this podcast very much, uh, no matter how superfluous it may be in light of things like uh, the sacrifices folks like Charlie Keating make. Um, all kidding aside, uh, it is uh, it has been very gratifying uh, to get all the uh, feedback on what we're doing here. So anyway, I'm going to get to it. This is uh, Sean McComb. 
Uh, sorry, I am very sorry. This is Alex Rossi. You can tell I'm tired after a long school day, huh? This is about 7 o'clock. We recorded this a couple weeks ago. Um, Alex has been in a couple of times since, actually, and it's been interesting to check out his evolution. But we'll get to that on another episode um, as we go. But anyway, I think you really enjoy this. So here we go uh, with ASU intern Alex Rossi. All right, so I am here with Alex Rossi. We just met today. You are a intern for the Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program here at Arcadia through Arizona State University. Yeah, that's correct. And thank you so much for being here. And yeah. thanks for agreeing at the end of your very long first day. You've been <laughs> here since, you know, 7.30 this morning with me, and it's now, what is it, 2.30, pretty much straight through. Um, but agreeing to to, uh, to be on the podcast, and I really appreciate it, and, I, and I'm glad you're here. Um, before we get started on kind of digging a little bit into your musical past and, and your senses of what you experienced today, the good, the bad, the ugly, the oh, dear me, what was that going on moments that you may have had, I want to ask you a question. I ask this of everybody that I interview for this and everybody I talk to. What are you listening to, like right now? Like, what's on your playlist? What are you liking, or that you've just recently discovered, or whatever it might be? Uh, you mean just like the music that I yeah, listen? Yeah. Okay. Anything. Uh, Creature Feature is one band in particular I'm looking a lot at. Um, also some punk rock and some EDM. I listen to everything. So. Okay. What about what you said? Creature Feature. Yeah. You know, what about them? Is is got you captivated? Well, I really like the theme that they have going. Like, it's kind of a monster themed. Uh, rock group, but it's done by only two people. It's a lot of synthetics done in okay. it. Okay. So, so I mean, like literally creature feature, not yeah. like as a. Okay. That's cool. So, like, they've done one song that, for example, um, it's called The Greatest Show Unearthed, and it's kind of like a haunted circus type <laughs> of song. And is it rock? Is it electronic? Is it. it it's kind of like rock. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's like a bit, rock. What does it, that mean? Well, like I said, it's uh, done by only two people, and a lot of it is done on synthesizers, and it has like a. An interesting tem- uh, timbre to it. Okay. Um, I've heard it compared a lot to video game music in a way. Oh, just okay. the way that okay. the synthesizer okay, like, sure, sounds that makes on sense. it. Sure. Okay, cool. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Well, so, wh- you know, as I've mentioned um, in, other, in other formats um, before, you know, I'm very lucky. I feel very fortunate that nearly every single music education major from Arizona State University, for better or worse... <laughs> is going to spend a semester with me, um, either as an intern or as a student teacher, or in many cases both, which I'm very flattered by. It's for better. Um, Well, thank you. (laughs) But I also know that when you first walk in, um, because I don't, you know, we've corresponded a little bit on email as far as like, hey, you know, I'm coming in, and there's my, you know, where do I park, and blah, da, 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 and you know, and I, you know, I think the most information I give you as an intern on the first day is that I have a refrigerator and a microwave (laughs) you're welcome to use. And I kind of deliberately don't tell you much else. And I don't think, you know, the professors at ASU tell you much about what you're going to be witnessing. or They tell us it's kind of a it's a sound digital culture type of thing, but they don't really <laughs> give us many specifics. Right, which is good, I think, so that you can kind of walk in and sort of get it for yourself. So so I guess my first question to you is, and, and honestly, you know, this is not a... You know, I'm not grading you on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm frankly too lazy to do that. But no... Um, so you know you you first walk in this morning, and I'm just yeah. wondering like what are your first impressions of? Obviously, it must have been reasonably positive because you didn't leave ten <laughs> minutes in. Like, I don't feel good today. I'll start another week or something later. Well, yeah. I probably couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I think I walked in and I saw a classroom where the students are actually engaged in their own learning and they're learning things that they would continue 
to move on. And I really admire that about your program. Thank you. Um, I feel like I, with other internships, I've walked in and I was like, okay, this is a band program like every other school. Most of these, like there might be a couple that go on to do this in college, but most of them will probably not pick up their instrument again or maybe do some student groups, but not really. What do you, focused. you know? And I see that I, I believe at least that a lot of the people or a lot of the students taking your class will want to continue this. I appreciate that. And statistically, over the years, that seems to be seems to be a fairly common trend, which I'm also very grateful for. But I want to go back to your point about um, in in these other experiences that you've had, or these sort of more I don't know standard, if you will. And right. this is not a criticism. I don't mean in that sure. regard. But I'm I'm wondering. You said something that I thought was interesting, where you're not always convinced when you see those things that the kids that are in those programs are necessarily going to do anything with it. Is there something inherent in there? Because I have my own theories on that. I'm wondering how you see that. Um, so I think a lot of it is we're taught as, as music educators when we're in college and when we start our jobs and whatnot. We're kind of taught this way of teaching music because it's what is guaranteed to get us a job. It's what every most schools do. And I feel like a lot of students that are in those programs really enjoy that aspect of it. But I feel like it could be so much more, and there are a sure. lot of students it's not reaching out to because right. it's not their kind of music. You know, it was funny, I, I, and I don't know if this is true or not, and certainly there's going to be circumstances for everything that could be different, but um, when we were, you know, years ago, when I was sort of starting to explore the concept of what this would eventually kind of turn into, I remember talking to somebody about kind of what you're saying, and they, and I'm not even sure, I currently even still believe this fully but i i'm starting to become more convinced their comment was sometimes it's just a matter of when there's no other option everybody just kind of does the thing that everybody else has done when you offer something else it's not that it's better or worse it's just that until there's something different or a different way of going about it you know so and i don't, I don't really know i mean a, a lot of interns have come through and been in in in, in that situation like you were in today and, you know, they'll leave going, okay, I'm going to try this thing or I'm going to try that thing or, you know, maybe this works, maybe this doesn't, as a way to sort of um, maybe balance those elements. Yeah. And you just never know some of it, too. I mean, to be fair is, you know, I know, for a f I know, for example, that if ASU accepts you as a music ed major, they guarantee you employment when you're done, right? Right. Which it's, is huge. I mean, yeah. that's that's something that most schools don't do. I mean, that's... First of all, that's a compliment to your skills, <laughs> but it's also one of the reasons why I love ASU so much because that's an enormous weight off of your shoulders to right. know this will, you know, I'm not going to be stuck out there trying to figure out how to pay my bills. I've got opportunities coming, but I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just wonder about, you know. How do you know long term? How will that translate? Does that give you the option? Because a lot of schools, like you said, you know, they're expecting this mold of we need a band director, and they have in their heads an image of what that means, right? And then as a young teacher, you wouldn't exactly be faulted for being maybe a little anxious about doing anything too, you know, radical or different that breaks that mold. Because you're going, okay, well, if I do that and they don't like it and then I'm out of a job, and sometimes I wonder if it self-perpetuates. Not even intentionally, just out of, you know, 
sort of a fear-based, I got to be employed. I feel like more than that, it's uh, just kind of, for example, I, I come from a band background. I've done a lot of conducting in band, and I I can do that well. And so if I were to get a job as a band teacher, I think I would excel at that job. But personally, what I think is valuable, like I, I really think that the program you have is something that I would really want to do, but I would have no idea how to do it. <laughs> well, like, and that's good that you're in here because by the time <laughs> this semester's over with this internship, hopefully you'll have a pretty good sense of it. Um, you know, and it's I, I think that some of that is also inherent in what we were talking about at lunch a little bit in the 10 minutes we had or whatever yeah. it was. Um, and then just briefly before we, we started talking here, you know, a lot of it is just it breaks down to this idea of interpretation versus creation. You know, the band director, the orchestra director, the choir director, it's an important skill. It's an important art form, but it's interpretive. Somebody, generally speaking, has created the musical score for you. You are now taking that with your students and reinterpreting their musical intention and hopefully forwarding it. It is not a small task. But here, you know, the different, and I, and I did this on purpose, I will admit it, but here the idea is, here's a blank page, kid. Make your widget. Hopefully it, it works. And if it doesn't, that's okay. We'll go in and figure out how to make it work, you know, on the next round of it. But it's it's coming from a creative standpoint, not an interpretive one. You know, I kind of think, actually, this is probably one of the areas where I don't, fully agree with you okay that's I, all right I think, please um you can still have creation in an ensemble oh no absolutely. and you can still have interpretation here like if you have a student for example you want to help them with producing i know that that's one of the sections and you yes. can kind of tell them okay this is kind of what would sound good to most listeners that's an interpretive thing um i think a program like this is more about the zone of proximal development than Okay, perhaps. I guess what I mean though is, is, is if you know, in, in the sort of the grand scheme of it, though, most band and orchestra and choir programs are selecting music that was written by somebody else, bringing it in, rehearsing it, interpreting it. Yeah. Um, which is not a small thing, and and you know, not at all. Whereas here, I, I agree with you absolutely. We're doing a lot of interpretation. I mean, I mean, to be, we do an exercise. In fact, we're going to do it um, probably later on uh, next week where we actually explore that concept of even though somebody in the room wrote it, in order to get it to be performed in a group, now that creation moment has to be now done as an interpretation thing. So right. you're absolutely right. It happens in both. And I, I, But I mean, as far as like the bigger general sort of like, I don't know, uh, the origins of whatever's being done in the programs, that, that I think is the difference. The other thing I would say is, and, and we were briefly touching on this before, was... And I, I, I suppose to some extent um, this, this is also by design, but what also makes it a little scarier is that, you know, if I, when I had my two symphonies at Arcadia, which I've, I've said more times than I can recount um, to anybody who will listen how much I miss them. I miss conducting those symphonies. They were, I mean, that was just so much fun and musically just so, it was awesome to stand. Um, I miss, with respect to all my musicians from those years, but standing in a strings group, and I know you're a band guy, but there is something about that homogenous sort of wash of, oh gosh, I miss, I like just, I crave that. But anyway, that's not important. Actually, was sorry, that, yeah, sorry, no, go, that just go. made me think of how um, something I've kind of noticed with in, with the band internships I've had, right. um, where I get up there and I conduct, and I I'm always thinking to myself, you know, I can conduct this for them and make a particular sound, and then I can even make the ensemble do well in competitions and whatever. But I feel like the educational opportunity would be better 
arisen if I passed the baton to a student and I had them do it. You know, it's funny you say that. What, what I was going to say really quick, and then we'll go back to that, but <laughs> what I was going to say is the, the one of the key differences is, is that when I was doing my, band, my orchestras and my bands and my symphonies, if we were going to do Beethoven, you know, barring an arrangement, but even then, there's a certain level of skill. If you don't have it, we're not doing Beethoven. And right. that's not because you're a bad musician. That's not because Beethoven is unfair. It's just that's a reality. He wrote the notes in a certain way. They're going to require a certain level of technical um, skill before you can start even beginning to interpret them. Yeah. It doesn't mean you shouldn't or you, you know, whatever, but it does create certain parameters have to be in place. Whereas here, if I can get you functional so that you can start to express your ideas in some capacity, at least then, you know, you can move on and keep sharing those ideas, even if, you know, it's like, well, I can play one finger on one note of the keyboard, but I know it's a C, and I'm just going to play C, you know what I mean? But, it, but at least it starts there, and we can then, that that can be musically expressive, and we can channel it. Um, the thing you were just mentioning um, about the, the conducting thing, I think, and we've done that here, where I've actually, that was, you know, my foray after not being able to conduct for a long time. We did a, we did a full-scale musical. We partnered with the theater department, and it was a blast called The Drowsy Chaperone. But instead of me conducting it, I had four students, and we divided the show up, and they learned to conduct it. And it was awesome. The really cool thing was is just by, I asked for volunteers, four sophomores came forward. This is two years ago. They're seniors now. And yeah. they're sort of chomping at the bit. Can we do that again? Can we do that again? <laughs> Which would be great. I would love for them to. But what I was going to say is, you know, I think that the thing would be, I, I think you're right. And I think we, we do that a little bit in band. I mean, when I had my marching band, I had field conductors. Right. But obviously the venue is different. The, 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 the parameters of what you're conducting and what you're having them actually respond to are obviously different than, in, than maybe in an orchestral setting. Although... The raw data or the raw elements are the same. But I do think there is a responsibility, though, that you have as the leader of the ensemble. Um, and you, you have to, I don't know what the right or wrong would be. I agree with you in concept. What a great learning opportunity. But you also have a responsibility for every other kid in that ensemble. Right. And if turning over the conducting duties to a student yes obviously enhances that student who gets to conduct it i mean yeah. without it that's unquestionably but if it's going to degrade for the ensemble i'm not entirely i mean I, and i don't know where that balance is and that yeah. may be something that you'll need to explore you know here like i've been saying we have an advantage we're creative based in the first place so yeah. everybody's kind of up on that level something to think about i don't know i don't know and i don't know what's right or wrong <laughs> right that and maybe there is or there isn't i don't know so tell me a little bit more about your background so your, your band okay uh um where'd you well where, where's where's high school where's where's home okay if i can um, pry into that a little bit <laughs> so i initially so i come from a high school in fremont california called irvington okay um i kind of when i started as a freshman it was i think like a b-level group and then by the time i gr was graduating it was by far a like competing in the top getting wow. sweeps uh i think we got our first sweepstakes award in my last band review wow so that was kind of like an experience just to see my program that's amazing grow. what an so amazing it went, it went from like 60 wow. people to 180 wow 
within four years that I was there. That's inc- now was this because the school was growing or was it just the city was growing? So okay. Fremont is, I mean, obviously California right now is going through the Silicon Valley boom, and Fremont is kind of there are a lot of people immigrating there or even just moving across the country for work. Okay, and there's a lot of opportunities, economic opportunities. So Fremont is known as one of the safer cities, and a lot of people want their kids to go to school okay. there. Okay, okay, that makes so, sense. That makes sense. Actually, I think. A couple of years after I graduated, my graduating class was around 400, and I think now it's in the thousands. Good Lord. Yeah, and they haven't really built more buildings yet, so they oh my. they really need to... Wow, <laughs> but... that's both impressive and terrifying. Yeah, oh, wow. exactly. So how do you go from Fremont, California, to band Arizona. kid, <laughs> not even so much to Arizona, to I want to be a music educator? Because that's not like, you know, you don't wake... That's... You know, what, how does that come about? Okay, so um, I guess I, I, when I graduated and started looking into colleges, I wanted to be a performance major, and I went to Oberlin Conservatory of Music for a couple of years. And um, I did not uh, – well, I had several issues with that school and eventually needed to transfer somewhere else. Okay. Um, and so I went to a community college back in my hometown – uh, for a se- summer and a semester, and I was I wanted to get back into doing music as fast as possible, you know, finish my degree. Um, being in the performance scene, I knew I really did not want to be a performer, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, what what can I go into that's a related field so I don't have to start entirely from scratch? And I had already done some teaching things, and I knew that I really enjoyed it, so I tried to do music education, and ASU was the first school that accepted me. Okay, fair enough. Because I was applying in the spring. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. No, and it's a great school. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it a is. truly awesome place. So so what's the the bug? Was it, just, was it literally just circumstantial, or was there something specific that you went, you know, I, I could do this. I could, I could make my living. I can do this for the rest of my life or whatever. Um, you're referring to what made the shift from performance? Well, just to be or... like music, yeah, like the idea of I'm going to be a teacher. Okay. I'm going to be a um, musician, I guess, music teacher. So I had actually conducted, you were talking about how you had a, you'd done the chaperone with some of your students' sophomore conductors. Yeah. Um, actually, my senior year of high school, I conducted Beauty and the Beast that we oh. were performing there. Okay. And that was great. Um, and then when I went to Oberlin, they have a project called the Winter Term Project, which is like a one-month internship that we basically choose ourselves. So I went back to the middle school that I went to, and I was an assistant teacher there, and I really loved it. So, okay. Okay, cool. So there, were, there was some sort of logical yeah. progression to it. So, so you're going through all of your, your pedagogy and your this is how this works and this is how that works and da 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 are you just are you finding anything particularly captivating you know cuz i can remember you know different teaching methods classes and i i got my degree i'll admit in a little bit of a of a different sort of way but you know do you ever like you know are you going through any of these things and going wow that's going to be awesome when i get to implement that or on the other hand are you looking at things and not naming names or anything <laughs> but where you're going wow Never doing that in my classroom. That's just not gonna. I mean, like, like, and even sometimes, like, I've encountered things where I'm like, "That is really cool." I'm not. I can't. Like, I don't have the ability to, to do that that thing. Um, I guess the closest thing would, and I, I'm not just tr- saying this to you know brown nose or anything. Would no. would be your classroom. Like, oh, I really thank you. like how it's 
structured. I really want. Hey, you should have been here a few years ago. We were still figuring it out. No, that no, that's very kind of you. You know, and I and I think some of it. You know, to be fair, you know, and I'm proud of it. You know, you made a comment. I you know you said something. I wish I would have had this program when I was when I was growing up. But to some extent, that's part of like that. To me, is a little bit of a litmus test. You know. Yeah. I know that when people who come in that have experience that are professionals like yourself, if they're responding that way, I know that we have made the right decisions, at least in the bigger picture. I mean, there's always things you can change and fix and whatever. Yeah, that actually reminds me of how when I first went to Oberlin, you know, the first my first semester of college or whatever, I went to this classical conservatory and I realized I was the only one there who hadn't ever actually listened to classical music and I was trying to become a classical that's part of why I stopped trying to become a performer okay I mean it it wasn't the music that I was interested in yeah okay I, no that makes sense in in high school I even like played tuba in a metal band once I, I found this group of people that are like looking for the it was a Craigslist ad and they had said looking for tuba for awesome band and that was super vague and I'm just thinking I don't know what this is about, but I'll I'll see what it is. No, and good I went, for you. It was it's a metal band, and it it turned out to be a metal band with a bunch of guys that are like in their thirties, right? And I'm at the time like sixteen years old, and I'm like, this is interesting, but it, I had a blast. It was awesome. That sounds really really cool. Yeah. So okay, so tuba player. Yeah. Metal tuba player. <laughs> There's an old. Um, are you familiar with the cartoon strip Bloom County by any chance? Okay, so if you get a chance, look it up. Um, there's this character Opus, who plays tuba, and they basically do it in the '80s. They just came. He just the author of the um, of the cartoon just started republishing again after like a 30 year vacation, if you will. But he um, he, he has this fictitious band as part of like one of the cartoons right. that that were coming up, and they, it was like a metal band <laughs> with a metal with like the the heavy metal tuba thing. Um, and there's all these great, I mean, just obnoxiously wonderful cartoons that feature this metal tuba player that just i don't know why that just jumped in my head but anyway <laughs> you know something to think about um okay so so obviously lots of different styles yeah um you know obviously the band thing marching bands and whatnot pretty big obviously for men as you said you saw it grow from yeah. 60 to 180 and getting you know some pretty respectable um, results there as, it, as 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 it's progressing, which in and of itself, in retrospect, will probably help you tremendously as a professional, being able to get the perspective of when it's small, when it got big, you know, yeah, and all the differences there. What I'm wondering is, um, you know, so the metal band aside, <laughs> you know, have you written any? I'm just—it's not like a deal breaker. I was just curious, like, you know, has your experience always been just playing other no, people's I've, music? No, I've also written music. Okay. Um, in what what kind of like formats? Uh, so in high school, I did a um a project with some of my friends, and we kind of formed a quartet, and I wrote some music, and it was all mostly really bad. <laughs> um, and well, then, but, but, well, no, why do you say that? It, I'm not. I didn't hear it, but I'm, I'm. I'm inclined to not believe you because I didn't have any compositional experience. I kind of was just. I was. I was both learning how to compose, okay, and making a bunch of people with instruments that didn't match each other play. Okay, All because right. we had. I think we had a trumpet, a flute, a clarinet, and a tuba, and the balance just never worked, especially yeah. at our skill level. As okay, high All school right. musicians. Okay, now see that I was going to say because inherently there's nothing that would say that that combination of instruments won't work. But skill does. But of course, yes. Um, so then in the last year that I was at Oberlin, I started working on an arrangement project where I took every song from the video game Mega Man X and turned it into a tuba and piano 
like solo piece. Wow. And then I ended up performing that for my recital last year. Oh, cool. Uh, um, yeah, so that was That's very cool. So it's interesting to me though that that um you mentioned that you you know you went to Oberlin and this isn't a bad thing, but just that you went to Oberlin under the circumstances that you hadn't really had a familiarity with quote classical music. Right. And maybe it's the atmosphere there, or maybe it was not knowing that there were other options, but it sounds like even though the content you picked for that video game project was obviously not, quote, classical, right? but it sounds like the medium you chose to express it in was, in a lot of ways. And the reason I'm asking that is because it's interesting... You know, this is kind of back to earlier the the atmosphere of you know what you know if it's that if if you're not aware of the other you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, basically. Um, I kind of did it because I wanted to perform it on a recital okay. uh, because tuba is my instrument and honestly my my uh, private teacher there would wasn't about to have it but since I was leaving the school anyways I was able to take that here to ASU and uh, uh, okay. Doctor Doctor Sobota was so nice and was okay. all for it. So cool, and I do think that you know different places offer a different experience. I don't think there's anything wrong with Oberlin. Yeah. I can remember you know a couple centuries ago when I was looking at at music <laughs> schools for you know for undergrad, um, looking into Oberlin, um, and they do amazing things. And I think you know I think a lot of places do. I think that there's more to be said for this idea of you get in you know you get out of it what you put into it. I think that that's you know a lot of things in life. Um, certainly in music schools. I mean, you know, this, well, we're connected to blah, 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 blah. Right? That's great. That's wonderful. But that doesn't guarantee me anything. Yeah. Um, okay, so so just um, we'll wrap up here in a second. I just had a couple last questions for you. Sure. So so just real quick. So, we've we, you know, you, you, you go from high school. You kind of, it sounds like sort of stumble onto music education almost as a, not as a backup, but just kind of a, you know, you experience a little bit of life and, and, and the realities of it, and you go, wait a minute, maybe not for me, maybe right. not what I thought it was originally. Um, you find music education, sounds like you've pretty well embraced it, um, which is great. Um, so what I'm wondering is, you know, do you have any sense of, you know, and I realize, you know, you've only been here one day, and you got a lot of other work <laughs> you got to do still before you graduate, and on and on and on and on, but just in general, like, throw today away for a second if you can. Sure. Do you have in your head like my perfect music teaching job is? Yes. Um, Discounting th- today. Okay. Discounting today, but honestly, I've been thinking of doing something like this regardless. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, That's great. <laughs> so, this is in a perfect world, which you know requires a lot of resources and a lot of support. But I would have a single band, um, a choir, a theory class, an ethnomusicology class, and a computer like digital tech class where we work on producing and recording and then a rock band. Wow. Yeah, so I w- I wouldn't want to teach the same subject multiple so times. So you like, you want breadth. multiple preps. You want everything. Yeah, I want like a breadth program that really involves anyone who's willing to join. Like I'm I'm all for um I guess welcoming as much as I can. That's amazing. So, it's interesting the ethnomusicology thing. Yeah. I feel like the only people who ever say that are people who've experienced it. <laughs> is there is there a story behind that? Well, I I don't want to say I play because I play very badly, but I play the kenna, um, which is an Andean flute because okay. my family's from Argentina. Oh. So I've gotten to experience that, and I grew up in a minority-majority city, so I got to experience all these different cultures, and I, I just... 
I think it's really important, like, to okay. include all that. No, I don't, and I don't disagree. Yeah. I think that's awesome. It's just you don't hear people that. Say that. Yeah, that's <laughs> just not common. You know, you hear a lot of the well, the band and the this and the rock band and the even the digital yeah. thing, and and but the ethnomusicology, thing, which <laughs> I actually think is fascinating. I yeah. can remember in grad school taking a class in ethnomusicology and just being completely just blown away by the whole idea of not only is everything we're doing like been around for a while it's been around for a while in a lot of other places that i'd never heard of right you know or you know or never traveled to you know it's almost like we are we are redundant in our redundancy even yeah and it's just it's nice to see all of these different elements that you would never even like conceive of and put them together you know right like i would love to see an ethnomusicology ensemble where it's not a single culture it's like you have a flute from the andean mountains and you have like a java drum and you have a percussion yeah 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 like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like the syncretic thing where you take from everyone and then everyone would be cool. able to teach each other and it would be it would be a great like <laughs> world leader yeah that actually that would be a fun project <laughs> that would be really cool to write some music for a group like that or just to be in a group like that just some ideas for you to see. no yeah no, <laughs> I, I think that's awesome well, anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Um, I really appreciate you yeah. coming in. I'm excited to work with you this semester. I know it's a lot on that first day. <laughs> There's a lot of, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Um, but I appreciate you being here. I appreciate sure. your uh, your um, your willingness to be part of everything. I'm, I'm looking forward to the semester working with you. Yeah, I look forward to it, too. Cool. Great. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. All right, so there you go. Uh, Alex Rossi from Arizona State University, um, intern uh, for the Arcadia High School Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program. Um, great guy, great musician. Uh, as you can tell, lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm. Uh, you know, the comment I made early on about such a long day, uh, there's plenty of jobs where going from 7.30 to 2.30, that is not a long day. Um, and I kind of, as I listened to that um, back as uh, mixing this podcast episode down, I was kind of like, really? You got to be kidding me. But anyway, um, no, it was it was very cool talking to him. And and like I said, I think you'll start to see kind of patterns emerging amongst the interns. And I'm I am very curious as we go back into things later on in the term and interview them again uh, in various capacities uh, to see if similar themes or different themes or if any themes even connect them all still. Um, but they're great. Uh, Alex, uh, in particular, doing some wonderful things with my students, and I really appreciate that. So. Anyway, that's this week's episode. Um, got something pretty cool coming up next week for you. Uh, an interview with uh, my principal, the boss, Nathan Slater. Um, but I really did want to start talking about sort of the administrative view of what we do because the program is different. And I know for a lot of music educators, there's this issue of, okay, I buy into it. You know, I get the idea of what you're trying to do with CMAS. I'd like to incorporate it. How do I start making that happen with my own administration? That's a big part of it. There's just some realities there. And, and um, I'm very lucky. And, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Slater, um, I think he prefers me to call him Nathan, but um, for this purposes, I'll call him Mr. Slater. I think I just blew that. But anyway, uh, when he's back next week, uh, when he's on next week, the interview we just did, um, you'll hear it. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool insight, I think, in what the what administrators are looking for in, in, uh, in arts programs and just in general. So that'll be next week. Uh, again, this week, I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for passing along the information. Thanks to everybody who's been on, everybody who's coming on. Uh, thanks to Alex Rossi for this week. As always, you can always reach me or find out what I'm doing through uh, richardmaxwell.net. And you can uh, check out more about what my students are creating 
at ArcadiaCMAS.com. Uh, so that's it, and we'll talk to you all again next week. Bye-bye.